your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Two wideouts to the left. Mills in the backfield with Martinez. Adrian gets the snap, gives it off to Mills. Mills spins away. He's to the 40, 45, 50, 45, 40, 35, 30. Tight rope to the sidelines, steps out of bounds inside the 30-yard line. Gadrick Mills has been a man today here in Lincoln. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. I am so jealous of you folks who are on your way to a high school football game tonight. It is going to be gorgeous outside. There's not much humidity. It's going to be a little warm to start the game, but that sun will dip down pretty quick. Have fun if you're heading out to a game tonight. I hope your team plays well, plays hard, stays healthy. All those fun things. Week two, full week two around the state for high school football. So enjoy the night tonight. We are, we're glad you're going to spend some of your Friday night with us here. We've got a big show coming up. We're going to talk to Steve Rosen of HuskerOnline.com. We've not talked to Steve before. He has been with Husker Online for a couple of years and covers the business side of college sports. We'll get his take on how Nebraska is going to handle the loss of having football at Memorial Stadium this fall, what that may mean, and he's done some research around the league, how everybody else is coping with this as well. It'll be interesting to talk to him coming up here in a couple of minutes. Also, hour number two will go beyond the headlines. Tim and Austin have been putting their heads together, and that is a dangerous combination with those two guys we'll see what they come up with this uh, for us in our number two third hour we'll have our weekend preview ben will get you set for the holiday weekend the three-day weekend coming up with labor day on the back end of that we'll talk some kentucky derby with andy weingarten from whas in louisville get his breakdown of the derby tomorrow i think that's kind of been lost by a lot of people that the kentucky derby normally the first saturday in september but because of covid Got bumped back. They've already run the Belmont. They ran it about when they normally would, mid-June. And now they got the Derby. The Preakness will be in mid-October. We'll see what the breakdown. Tis the law won the Belmont. Can he get the second leg of this year's racing Triple Crown? We'll get Andy's breakdown of that in the third hour. We'll have our weekend review and our winners and losers of the week as well. All right, Ben, let's start with the, the top story in Tim's ticker, and that was the news that Keyshawn Green, the talented linebacker from the state of Florida, has put his name in the transfer portal and becomes the third member of the 2020 class, all from Florida, by the way, that have put their name in the transfer portal. Don't know the circumstances behind this. I think some details will come out as we move past this. But you wonder, did the virus, did the inactivity the fact that there aren't games being played right now, that's probably factored into this thing. But this is a loss. This guy was a really highly sought-after linebacker. And when we talked to Barrett Rude way back in July when we were doing our position breakdowns, he really liked Keyshawn Green. This, this is You can't really soften this one. This is a blow. Yeah, this is a guy I was really excited about. He was in my Super 6 that we put together, um, you know, ranking the recruits. Yeah, this one hurts for sure. And, you know, it'd be interesting to kind of peel back the onion on on the situation of, of the players leaving, the three of them all being from the state of Florida. I think the, the obvious uh, gut reaction is, well, clearly there's a disconnect between the Florida – lifestyle culture and the Nebraska culture. I think that's probably only natural to assume something like that. 
However, I, I do feel like, Greg, the information that we have been given on the case, and I think, you know, that coupled with some pure speculation on our part, I feel like these are three different scenarios, three different situations based on the three Florida kids, starting first with Henry Gray. Um, and and, and I, I do feel like what Henry Gray's story was and how his situation panned out, there was a lot of truth to that, meaning there was a, a family emergency, family health situation in Florida. I think, you know, fair to assume COVID-related or COVID concerns. Uh, he wanted to be closer to home, and he wanted to transfer out. And and Henry Gray was a player that could have gone anywhere he wanted to and had offers from Ohio State and uh, all, a lot of the SEC schools. And that that could have been his excuse, his out to say, I want to go somewhere else. You know, I'm, I'm just going to say it's a family thing, and I'm going to go to Ohio State or whatever. He transfers, you know, to a, another uh, school in Florida, close to home. So I think there's some validity you know, to what he was saying. Um, I, I think also the situation with Jaden Francois, um, not entirely unexpected. I feel like if you remember the day he committed and, and, and how that situation went down, he was supposed to sign at like 8 a.m. and received a phone call and tried to trace down a rumor that, you know, what we kind of pieced together as somebody saying that Travis Fisher wasn't going to be a part of the coaching staff in Lincoln. Uh, it was over two hours, you know, the, the delay that it took for Jaden Francois to commit. He'd also committed and decommitted from Miami, I think three times. So you, you had an idea that, you know, maybe he, this was a, a flighty guy. Um, you know, a guy that, uh, wasn't going to necessarily stick around. You just had to get a feeling that that might be the case. And then he goes and transfers back to the state of Florida as well to, to UCF. <clears throat> so you've got Henry Gray transferring to FIU, Jaden Francois, who was a four-star, transferring back to the state of Florida and Central Florida. And in this case, Keyshawn Green, I think this is kind of just speculation because we haven't been given a lot of information. I don't know how, Greg, this can be unrelated to the Big Ten circumstance of not playing football, other schools in his home state that are playing football, or at least in surrounding areas, and, and, and the COVID concerns. I think it's, it's – I mean, unless I'm hearing otherwise, that's, that's going to be my assumption, that those two went hand-in-hand, hand and he wants to go to a league that's playing. So here we're already starting to see fallout at Nebraska uh, with the decision to not play. And until – I'm given given information that suggests that that wasn't the case. That's going to be what I assume, and what probably a lot of people are going to assume that, you know, he wants to go somewhere that's going to play, and you know the the COVID concerns are going to bring him at least back into the southeast. So definitely, definitely bad news today. FIU is playing this fall. UCF is playing this fall. We don't have a destination yet for Green. But if he goes to a school that's on the field and playing right now, now, you know, his, his situation may be a little bit more complicated because school has started here. Now, I know you're not past the dropout date yet for this semester. You're getting close. Got to be getting really close. And can he get into a school right away and be eligible right away? I, I don't know. But I, I think it is factored in there. I think you'd be – you're not being honest with yourself if you're saying the COVID part isn't isn't part of this equation moving forward. 
But, boy, it's this is a blow. Those three guys would probably be – I know Green was in your top six, your super six that you put together. Those three guys probably would have been considered to be all top ten players in that class that came in in 2020 that was signed in December and then finished up in February. Uh, so it's a blow for Nebraska. Again, it's a position where you were hoping to see some real upgrades. There's still quite a bit of depth there, much more so than a year or two ago when Barrett Rood walked to the door. But Keyshawn Green was thought to be part of that good size depth that that group had. So it's a loss. I mean, we we can. It's hard for us to sugarcoat this one because this is a talented kid that I know the coaches were excited about the future for him to uh, for him to uh, leave. Um, Nebraska at this point in time but again you're right COVID no no Big Ten football right now happening I think I think that all gets mixed into this thing and we we wondered we speculated a month ago I mean we're almost up to a month since the Big Ten pulled the plug on this thing August the 10th was when Kevin Warren made the announcement that uh, they were out football was the fall sports were not going to be played and we wondered would there be young men that would leave the program and it's been slow but here's certainly an example of that. Um, I, I was hearing reports for the first few days after the announcement that it was a parade into the offices of the coaches wanting to explore the transfer portal. I think Nebraska did a pretty good job of trying to calm everybody down and go, okay, where are you going to go? Are you sure where you're going to go they're going to play? And so I think they calmed that down a little bit, but Keyshawn Green out the door today for Nebraska. Now, uh, we've not heard from the head coach since August the 9th. Ben, uh, he did make a press conference appearance earlier today. Tim, roll the tape. Hey, everybody. Thank you for being here. Uh, As you know, Twitter has been... Excuse me. I got this covered. All right, I got this covered. All right. Your show, Chicken Wings. My name is Andrew Christensen. I like football because I love tailgates. They improve mental health, they stimulate the local economy, and they create lasting memories. But most importantly, tailgates mean wings. Just like a wing without a bone is just a saucy nug, a Saturday without Husker football is just a Saturday. I propose that one, we bring college football back to Lincoln, two, We never tailgate with saucy nugs. And three, you stop calling me Carrot Top because the tops of carrots are green. (laughs) Ben, I needed that. After this week and the roller coaster of up and downs, I needed that. Good kudos to Nebraska's social media department. Andrew Christensen has become a nationwide uh, oddity when he he went in front of the Lincoln City Council earlier in the week and made his case that – We've been mislabeling boneless chicken wings. Uh, It's gone viral. He now has the nickname Saucy Nugs, and Nebraska took advantage of that. I think that the little clip that the Nebraska account, the last time I checked, and that was 20 minutes or so ago, there were over 120,000 views uh, of that little uh, thing with Coach Frost and Andrew Christensen. Well done, boys. We all need to chuckle at some point in time, don't we? Yeah, it's even, you know, made its way into ESPN's college football tweets. Um, national guys have gotten a hold of it, waiting to find find out uh, a way in which Pat Forty will, you know, slander slander this up. But yeah, I mean, I, I think you know it's a good it's a good opportunity to you know make light of a situation that's been really frustrating, stressful, 
and uh, and tiresome for a lot of people. And obviously his clip went viral this week, and um, you know, a good, good opportunity for Nebraska to gain some, gain some positive publicity and and put a yeah a nice little clever skit together. So <laughs> yeah, it did it did uh, lighten the mood a little bit. I think it. It could have been released at a, at a better time. I, I was sifting through that and the Keyshawn Green news same at the time. exact same time. So yeah. I'm like being pulled in all these different directions. But I do think, um, you know, publicly they're going to get a, a lot of good response to this, as they should. Uh, I mean, those guys are really talented over there, and, and they do such a great job. So really um, really a, a, a good positive thing today and a, and a great idea, whoever was the first one that, that thought to, to capitalize on on Anders' 15 minutes of fame. <laughs> Unbelievable how that little clip has captivated the nation. I think all the late-night comedians have had fun with that throughout the week, and uh, we all need a little bit of that in, in our lives right now. All right, uh, here are the numbers. If you want to be a part of the program at any point in time throughout the night, 531-500-4686. That also doubles up as our U.S. Cellular text line, 531 500 4686 U.S. Sagitter, the official wireless provider of Husker Athletics. We're back to talk to Steve Rosen of Husker Online. That's next. We're back. Sports Island here on a Friday night and a new guest to bring to all of you tonight. Steve Rosen, who has written for Husker Online for a couple of years now and is going to join us here on our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline. Steve, you and I have not met. You take care of a lot of the financial pieces of, of college sports, and we certainly have a big part of that right now with the cancellation of the fall sports. So great to have you with us. Uh, thank you for, for carving out some time here on a Friday night for us. Uh, let's just start by telling us a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me on the program. Uh, I mean, this is great. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to our our conversation. Uh, I uh, I've been working for Husker Online, uh, covering the business of sports. Uh, I'm now going into my fourth year. Um, it uh, it really for me uh, is uh, is a lot of fun because uh, there's so much going on in athletic programs these days. Uh, it, they're there are huge businesses, a uh, lot of money coming in, a lot of expenses, and it's. I think it's interesting to to track how all of how all of it fits into the product you see on on the field. Um, so there's there's really kind of an interesting business component with sports, especially when you start talking about facilities upgrades and coaching contracts and season ticket uh, packages and uh, uh, all of the uh, all of the extra money that goes with purchasing tickets anymore. It's it's changed so much in the last ten or fifteen years. Uh, so that's kind of my area of expertise. And in, in a nutshell, I really cover the athletic department, Bill Moose and and his folks. Well, you had a piece that posted a couple of days ago that caught my attention, and I've read a lot of your stuff since you joined Husker Online and really enjoyed it. It's a different wrinkle, different angle on sports. And it was titled Big Red Business, Send the Bill to Kevin Warren. Obviously, Nebraska and all these athletic departments in the Big Ten are now looking at a mountain possibly of debt because of no incoming revenue with football ticket sales and whatnot. Uh, what what did you learn as you started to dive into this and what these athletic departments are now facing here in, in the fall of 2020? I think the first thing to keep in mind is that uh, everything is extremely fluid. 
the numbers uh, that uh, are being tossed around today may not bear any resemblance to uh, the income and expense numbers uh, a week from now or a couple of months from now. It's, it is so fluid uh, um, you know, with the possibility of being floated that uh, there could be a football, Big Ten football season in October or perhaps uh, starting around Thanksgiving or perhaps um, uh, kicking in uh, the first of the year. All of that uh, will, will reflect on the bottom lines of the athletic uh, departments in, in the Big Ten. The number that everyone seems to point to right now, uh, and it's not just a Nebraska number, but um, for really most of the schools in the Big Ten Conference, is that they're, they're all kind of looking at maybe an average uh, revenue decline of about $100 million. Um, and you might wonder, well, how do you, how do you arrive at that number? Uh, you really have to start with the biggest piece, and that's uh, – uh, zero money coming in from uh, the Big Ten revenue sharing. That's you know that's in the range right now of about 52 to 54 million dollars that uh, athletic programs have been able to to count on these last few years. Certainly Nebraska, uh, since it became a full-fledged revenue partner of the conference, has counted on it. So you have 54 million dollars there, and then you tack on another uh, 30. million in uh, ticket revenue, and, of course, uh, no games, no tickets. Um, So football's piece of that in the Nebraska budget is about $30 million in ticket revenue based on their last financial report uh, covering the 2019 fiscal year. So that gets you a little bit closer to $100 million in revenue declines. And once you throw in – you know, the uh, possible uh, loss of revenue from marketing and licensing and royalties and parking and all of the other uh, aspects that bring in dollars to the athletic department, not just from football, though certainly that's the lion's share, but from volleyball, of course, another profitable sport, and men's basketball, which is still in limbo. That kind of gets you at $100 million in revenue that – uh, you don't have that you've been counting on year in and year out. Um, so, and it's not just a Nebraska number. Uh, just about every school in the conference is staring at some sort of a range of anywhere from $80 million uh, revenue decline to $110, $120 million. I think Wisconsin is kind of on the upper end of that. Um, so that's uh, that's the number that uh, – uh, the conference schools are worried about uh, how how can they how can they make that up? That's the fluid part of this process. If uh, um, the conference announces that they're going to restart uh, football, um, that's going to generate product for the Big Ten Network and and um, certainly you know ESPN. Um, uh, all of the uh, the programming will suddenly there will suddenly be products and that's going to attach revenue to it. So you start uh, whittling away at that hundred million dollar revenue decline, um, and you're you're bringing a little money, a little more money home. So you can quickly cover some or all of that gap. Uh, and again, that's why things are so fluid. Getting busy with Steve Rosen of Husker Online. He covers the financial side of college sports and as it relates to Nebraska. Your piece, you dive into how all the schools in the league are dealing with this. We've tried to track 
this a little bit if there's announcements about whether it's eliminating sports, dropping personnel. Nebraska two weeks ago uh, cut 51 jobs or put them on furloughs for at least the end to the end of the year. What did you find as you looked around the conference? Is it just those two options that everybody is looking at, or are there some other creative ways that schools are trying to attack this deficit? Well, certainly uh, you have to start with, um, you know, unfortunately, your your labor costs, and uh, because that's such a, a tough one, because people's livelihoods are at stake, and uh, Nebraska has uh, has kind of hit that relatively hard. I mean, fifty one furloughs, um, you know, that's tough. Um, and then you uh, you add to that the seventeen or so employees who were let go in the first round of cuts back uh, in the beginning of the summer. Uh, I was a little surprised to see that uh, uh, I think Bill Moose indicated that the latest round of furloughs will save about $3 million or so. So that indicated to me that we're probably talking about uh, a lot of people who who work like in the food service part of the operation with the, um, I mean, if there's no training table, you don't need all of the cooks and uh, the dietitians and all the other people who work in that area. Um, if there are no football games, then uh, you're probably looking at uh, not needing uh, groundskeepers and you know other folks, uh, at least temporarily. Uh, a lot of schools have kind of followed the same uh, the, the same footsteps there as Nebraska. They've looked at their personnel costs because that's that's where you usually get the biggest bang. For your buck. Um, the other thing that was interesting was that at this point, Iowa appears to be the only school in the conference that has gone as far as cutting cutting sports programs. They eliminated four four programs. Nobody else in the conference has done so. Although it'd be interesting to see what happens with Ohio State, since they have, I think, 36 or 38 men's and women's uh, athletic programs, the most. I think not only in the conference, but also nationwide. Uh, Stanford, I think, uh, nationally would be the uh, number two on that list. And we saw what Stanford did uh, uh, earlier this summer. They eliminated, uh, uh, they clear cut through their athletic uh, program and eliminated almost all of their kind of Olympic uh, type sports that that don't have a lot of uh, athletes or coaches, but uh, certainly are quite prominent. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if any other schools in the Big Ten follow the Iowa footprint of eliminating sports programs or whether they try to do it um, through conventional ways of, of putting people on furlough, uh, hiring freezes, salary freezes, going that route. Um, a number of schools, but again, not Nebraska, um, have talked about uh, tapping into the financial markets and, uh, and borrowing. Uh, frankly, I'm a little surprised Nebraska uh, didn't put that card on the table when they announced their latest round of cuts. Uh, at this point, it sounds like they're hoping to avoid uh, borrowing any money to uh, replenish the coffers and, and pay the bills. Uh, that might change uh, because I'm sure they would certainly have a, an outstanding credit rating, uh, whether they're borrowing uh, on their own or, or tapping into the university's uh, credit line. But right now they're they're holding uh, holding pat on that. They're not going to borrow. Uh, Moose also said that uh, they hope to avoid uh, tapping into the uh, Nebraska, uh, you know, the rainy day fund, the foundation money, which uh, 
right now stands at about $60 million or so that they have banked uh, for, for rainy day emergencies. Um, again, at this point, it doesn't sound like they're going to tap that very hard, whereas other schools, I think Penn State and some others in the conference, are, are going to be relying on, the, on their own rainy day funds to kind of bail them out, at least weather, weather the storm here until next year when hopefully the revenue picture will, will look better and will be past this pandemic. Yeah, no doubt. They're all hoping that the doors ba- open back up again 12 months from now so that they can get the revenue coming back in. Steve, obviously, we have a lot of people that are listening to us in and around Lincoln. Uh, the, the financial impact of this is going to go well beyond the athletic department. It's going to affect the community of Lincoln that you know gets a lot of hotel uh, visits when Nebraska football is in action, restaurants get filled up, bars serve drinks. I mean, th- this is going to reach its way out quite a way, quite a ways, isn't it? Well, it's you know, football is. I mean, it's the biggest game in town. It's the biggest game in in the, the entire state. Uh, when you look at the uh, tax revenue that all those hotel nights and uh, uh, food and uh, entertainment bills, all of that money. Uh, a lot of that money winds up in the state's coffers, and certainly a lot of it winds up in the city's coffers. They cover uh, uh, they cover all of their expenses. No doubt that um, uh, Lincoln is I don't want to say unique, but uh, it is a college town that relies pretty heavily on seven or eight big big weekends a year for uh, you know generating generating revenue that puts people in hotel rooms, that fills the restaurants, that uh, you've got to have uh, extra staff brought on board for those weekends to cover the uh, pregame and postgame parties. You've got to have extra staff on hand at, at restaurants and, and bars to cover the cover the activity pregame and postgame, Friday and Saturday. So a lot of people who are counting on that revenue, even if it's just seasonal work, that's all – disappearing so the economic impact on Lincoln is is uh, is tough uh, there are not a lot of other events going on right now other than maybe I, I think they have a motocross event in Lincoln uh, or had one a couple of weeks ago uh, where a lot of outsiders are coming into town and booking hotel rooms so it's it's going to hurt people um, you know whether you're the manager of the embassy uh, suites hotel or or someone who's um, uh, generating a little extra income during uh, the fall, uh, putting people in, directing people into parking spots. So it's tough. Well, Steve, we appreciate you shedding some light on this. It's a great read. Again, it's on HuskerOnline.com. Steve Rosen is their financial uh, writer for that publication and has been a great addition to that team. And, Steve, I hope you'll come back. This is the first time we've had you on. I hope you'll come back. I certainly do enjoy your, your pieces, and, and I look forward to your next one. Well, I love it. As, as an Omaha boy, uh, it's always good to talk to, um, you know, the, the Nebraska Cornhusker Nation. So thanks for having me on. There he is, Steve Rosen from HuskerOnline.com. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! And that's the way it is. Good night. Beyond the Headlines. Well, tonight, Austin and I are tasked with going beyond the headlines. At least we'll, we'll try to get uh, 
past them. I, I haven't read an article in a while, uh, but but that's that's what we're tasked with doing. We've got some good ones fired up and ready for you. And so we shall begin with, uh, with LeBron James, LA Lakers superstar LeBron James. He took umbrage with ESPN analyst Jay Williams last night on Twitter as Williams did the cardinal sin of comparing LeBron James to gasp Scotty Pippen. According to mm. Williams, LeBron was the Pippin to D-Wade's MJ when they played for the Miami Heat. James fired back at Williams on Twitter, taking it as an insult. So with that in mind, do you guys kind of see what Williams was saying? Do you really agree that, that he was really Scotty Pippin to D-Wade's MJ? Or are you just siding with LeBron here? Do you think that's not really being fair to Mr. James? Yeah, I, I don't know that I agree with that characterization. I think LeBron was, was the alpha male on that team, and Wade was more of the wing guy. So I, I mean, but is it that big a deal? I mean, LeBron gets fired up about a lot of things, doesn't he? I mean, my yeah. gosh, it's like he's got opinions about everything. But I don't, I, I, I don't disagree with LeBron in this case. Yeah, I don't either. And I get really sick of these comparisons all the time. Like, why can't we just enjoy what what we're watching? You know, why can't we just sit back and, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I probably understand it's Jay Williams' job to do that. He was a he was an outstanding college player at Duke, but he wasn't a Pippen or a LeBron. So maybe just save the comparisons for somebody else. <laughs> well, speaking of that point that, that Ben made, is is this all started because Richard Jefferson, uh, who was a former player now turned pundit, had compared Giannis to Pippen, and then Pippen actually himself came in and got ticked off at Jefferson for that, saying, "Well, who are you as a player?" It's like, well, yeah. Scotty Pippen is also take <laughs> is also finds it insulting when other people compare to Pippen. So it's kind of rough out there. I guess no one wants Jeez. to be called the Scotty Pippen. Uh, maybe I'm the Scotty Pippen of radio, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. You, t- Tim, you and I have talked about this a lot. Everybody is so sensitive about everything right now. Yeah, I mean, well, there is some fascinating I, – I read a book about this recently and, and sort of how society has shifted from – you know, it used to be about like a, a – I don't, know, I don't know what culture you would call it, but not like an honor culture, but like a, a dignity culture. If someone insults you, just take on the chin and move on. Now we've kind of moved into this culture of like, if you've insulted me, you know, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna come after you or I'm going to get very highly offended. It's just it, it gets a bit off the rails very fast, as we've seen mm-hmm. on Twitter. Oh, Twitter, our favorite place for all the measured takes the universe <laughs> has to give. Hello, hey, Austin. Austin. Well, how's it going, guys? Uh, so much better now that i heard your voice (laughs) wow that that means so much i uh you know i had to balance out tim here i'll be the sweet to tim salty (laughs) but we will also (laughs) switch sides of the nba's best 80s rivalry and go to the boston celtics there are a couple of them that put out a video on twitter earlier this week uh jalen brown and enos Cantor. in fact they were teaching their teammate taco fall the seven foot four center how to swim You know, it went pretty well, and I'd still take Michael Phelps in a race, though. But with Taco learning to swim as an adult, what's a skill you guys have picked up recently? Hmm. Uh, Pretty good at changing diapers now. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Yeah, very good there. Um, Two things that I've done more here in the last couple months. One, I've had to, I've, I've had four dead batteries that I've had to deal with on cars in 2020 and so i've i've really gotten pretty good at jump starting cars now i've I've got that thing down (laughs) that first this one there yeah i mean i knew how to do it but you can't you know if you don't do it for five six years you kind of go okay which goes on first so i got that refreshed and i started drinking more coffee now than i have ever really my life yeah so how do you how do you drink it 
No, I don't drink it black. I put a little cream in it. <laughs> oh, boo. That's not so real coffee, Greg. You're not about, like, going to the, the no, scooters no, no. or whatever? N- nope. No. No. I mean, I've been to scooters and, and gotten coffee there, but, I mean, I make some of something myself at home, and sometimes I'll go to a donut shop and get a donut and a cup of coffee. So... Nice. Those are, those are two things that are probably new for me in 2020. But, yeah, if you guys need some help, if you got a dead battery, I'm your guy. Yeah. Well, Greg, <laughs> my, my brake light's been on my car for quite a while. Could you take a look at it for me? <laughs> my, my capabilities still got the are, air pump. Are, are still limited. Yeah. Still got the air pump in the trunk, Sharpie? <laughs> yeah. I had a slow leak of a tire in, in one of my cars. This is a while back, and so I kept a, a, an air pump in, in my trunk because I knew I had a slow leak, I leak and I didn't have time. I, hadn't, I, just, I didn't, wasn't ready to get rid of the tire yet or whatever. So Ben and I get back from a late-night baseball trip. I think we were coming back Oma, from Arizona. It was like Omaha 1 a.m. And we're walking up to my car, and I'm like, yep, slow again. Ben's like, oh, geez, it's oh, like what 1 the hell? We got a flat tire. We got a nah. we got a call. I got the pump right here, and I whip yeah, he that just, thing out. Sharpie Ooh. just whips out the pump. I'm like, is this baby gonna get me home? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We're good. oh yeah, it'll get <laughs> us home. Okay, that re- sweet. That reminds. I got my oil change recently, and, and a, the guy looked at one of my tires. He's like, dude, you have a massive bubble in your tire. Oh, like that yeah. thing is gonna burst, and you're burst. gonna die. Like get that fixed now. I was like, y- yes, sir. Sorry, I don't know what to say. Um, all right, moving on here. Top Topic numero three, uh, we were talking in the break about this, um, about the Southern Miss game. And last night, Frank Gore Jr. made his college football debut with Southern Miss. And notably, his father, Frank Gore Sr., is still, yes, still playing in the NFL. He's 37 years old, about to start his 16th year in the league. He made his debut with San Fran all the way back in 2005. So considering that he's, he's a running back, he's still going at the ripe old age of 37, is there anyone in pro sports that you guys can think of that's had more of an impressive longevity, you know, career run stretch, you'd say? I mean, it's impressive. I mean, we had a, a famous face-off question, I think like the first or second week about uh, rushing yards. And Frank the Tank Gore, I think, won me the category. That guy's been around forever. <laughs> and he, he's always healthy. He he's always consistent. Now there's a lot of tread off those tires, as you would expect. But man, that guy just keeps going and going and going. Do you guys remember when he blew out his knee in that Ohio State game yeah. mm, in yep. that national yeah. championship game with Miami and Ohio State? Yeah, I mean, good grief, Tim, that Tim, your guy. He's well, not a young dude. That's true, but Brady is also kind of a freak of nature in that he never got hit for until Casey dirtily took Bernard his leg Pollard. out. Bernard but, Pollard. <laughs> but he, <laughs> he very rarely got hit. He's also a QB, and if you can, you can throw the football around, you're okay. But the one guy I was thinking about is uh, AP, who actually just got released by – uh, the Washington football team, and he's been around for uh, – he's a couple of years younger than, than, uh, than old, old, old Frank. Um, he was with the Vikings, I think, in 07. But he's been around for, for quite a long time. And, and LT – so there have been some running backs that have stood around for a while. I'm trying um, to think of, of some other sports. And well, didn't we Andre talk about Iguodala. – Andre Iguodala is a guy that has been around forever. Well, we were talking, Tim, about how old uh, Carmelo is, and you you came up and found there's three or four guys in the NBA oh, that are older than him. Udonis Haslam is the oldest. There it is. There it is. He's like 37, 38. Yeah. Yeah, Who's he's been a baseball guy, Ben. The, well, Nolan the, Ryan's the, the obvious one, the, I the think. First one, the first one that's come to mind, and he doesn't play anymore, he just retired like three years ago, was Jamie Moyer. 
That oh. guy pitched it like in the, into his 47. <laughs> he was like 46. Didn't he start in bit. the 80s and it was still going He was throwing like 82-mile-an-hour fastballs and still getting people out. <laughs> Austin's right, though, on Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan, I think, threw no-hitters after he was 40, I think. One or two no-hitters after he was 40. Yeah, he was... He was an ageless guy out there. But the current oldest guy in the majors, I don't know who that'd be. Nobody jumps mm. off the page at me. Is Miggy's Miguel Cabrera's up there. Yeah. Yeah. Albert Pujols is up there. Yeah, there's some, there's some old folks. Yeah. The reason Nolan Ryan came to mind for me when we talked about impressively long is because of how hard he threw. You know, to still right. go 27 years and one of the first real flamethrowers in baseball. I mean, to play as long as he did, throwing as hard as he did, I think that's pretty darn impressive uh topic number four so you guys let off the show with this and uh saucy nugs guy been doing his press conference with coach frost he uh, made his voice heard at a city council meeting earlier this week and he took the stand with the children in mind saying that we as a society are raising our children wrong now what are we doing wrong here's what he had to say i propose that we rename boneless wings in the city of lincoln we can call them buffalo style chicken tenders We can call them wet tenders. We can call them saucy nugs or trash. We can take these steps and show the country that where we stand and that we understand that we've been living a lie for far too long. And we know it because we feel it in our bones. (laughs) They call them trash. So we know where he stands. Where do you guys stand on that debate? I love saucy nugs. Oh. I mean, I... (laughs) Because Ben's a child. It's not to say that I don't like bone chicken wings. I can like them both. I mean, to me, there's not much difference. Well, as our as as the man himself said, you know, they're not really they're, they're not really chicken wings. They're, they're tenders. That's why I said I like I like. Uh, Do you order wings on the bone or boneless? Depends. Depends on the mood. I would say seventy thirty bone out. Oh, that's just wrong. I can't believe what I'm hearing on these airwaves. That's just that's not okay. But Tim, you're totally you got to have the you got to have the bone. Oh, I smashed some bone in wing, which are real wings. There's not even a, they like like I agree with with what the man said. I I don't even call them bone in wings. They're just wings. If I say if I say give me wings and you show up with a plate of chicken nuggets, I'm gonna I'm gonna knock that tray out your hand and and, and demand wow. you give me wings. Okay, wow. <laughs> that's, that's how I feel passionately about that. But I was, I, was, I mean I would feel insecure ordering boneless quote-unquote wings because it feels like i'm eating like a child i just think that Tim, i have seen you eat stuff <laughs> in the fridge that is two weeks old like that's that's false well maybe i used to i used to eat like a dumpster i've, I've tried to get back on the on the health wagon so i am not gonna sit here and, and believe you when you say you're gonna knock boneless tenders out of somebody's hands you're gonna eat them i know you i've seen you eat <laughs> like i have you seen me the, eat that recently because it's it ain't happening it ain't happening. okay well if you're if you're gonna start playing picky eater uh, can, can you really <laughs> confirm that that chicken wings are are more healthy than boneless tenders they're very keto because there's not a lot of carbs you just have some, you had some fat there but not not a lot of carbohydrates so that's it's all within that the diet ben okay it's all within the diet which brings us to <laughs> number five here, uh, and I hope you guys saw this. Uh, it's kind of incredible, but uh, for, for his latest stunt, magician David Blaine, I don't know if maybe you saw him call him a magician. He's more of a stuntman at this point. Uh, he went to the Arizona desert and ascended nearly 25,000 feet over the Arizona desert using just balloons. 
uh, when he reached that height, 25,000 feet or thereabouts, he just let go and, and parachuted back down to earth. So I guess my question is to you guys is uh, what would it take for you guys to attempt something similar? Maybe not Mm-mm. quite 25,000 nope. feet, Mm-mm. but I mean, name your price. <laughs> did, would you guys did, have one? No, yeah, no, no way. No way on that. Did he? He had to have like an oxygen mask on or something, right? You can't breathe at 25,000 yeah, feet. Yeah, he had. And well, I, David like, Blaine can. There's like a webcam of it. They were streaming it, and he had like you know like those pilots use. He had like some type of respirator to, to when he was up there. But yeah, I mean, you're basically like in the stratosphere. You guys remember that Felix guy, the Red Bull dude, who was basically in the stratosphere and he just jumped out of this. It wasn't really like a spaceship, but he was basically in outer space and he just jumped, plummeted right down the earth. And, and I think he used a parachute to get down, but it was just nuts. God. I mean, that that type of I'm not like afraid of heights, but that height is just no. makes my skin crawl. Nope, nothing. I'm, there, I, I you am, couldn't get me anything. I am not a heights guy by any stretch of the imagination, but there's there's a dollar amount out there that that could get me to get me to do it i think like if i had like safety professionals and maybe even you know didn't have to be the first one <laughs> to do it like if like if i got to witness with my own eyes somebody jump before me and and land on the ground safely i you know, i think there's a dollar amount that i that you could get me out of a plane would, or something would you like do that. it for a plate of chicken nuggets or no <laughs> Just had to ask. Are we I talking mean, I, like hundreds of thousands, or is it millions? Is it a billion? What, what's your general like, range? How about give me something like fifty grand? That's I would do it? something Ooh. like that for like fifty grand. You yeah. would you would hold on to a bunch of balloons for that's. I feel like I'm that's not saying that. Low. I'm just, I'm just saying I would I, you know I would do something height related. I mean, twenty five thousand feet is absolutely absurd. <sighs> That's higher than a lot of flights. I was going to say, I don't go. think I don't think the flight to yeah. Chicago makes it to twenty five thousand. <laughs> no, feet. I don't either. But you know, there there are there is a situation out there to where you could get me out of a plane with a parachute or whatever. I'm just saying that it's not off the table. Well, how about this? Would you travel to your next broadcast, God willing, crossing the fingers, uh, with uh, via hot air balloon? If you just said, okay, Ben, you got to go to to Piscataway, New Jersey by a hot air balloon. Come on. What kind of question is that? First of all, that would take like two weeks, wouldn't it? I mean, it would. <laughs> all right, fine. Let's not say, but what about Chicago? Would you go to Chicago in a hot air balloon? I mean, it's I, something. What's, what's your average hot air balloon length? I don't know. I'm not, I'll have to ask a hot air balloon pilot. I don't have one handy. I mean, Iowa City, I feel like, is more reasonable. All right, fine. Iowa City, would you yes, do it? Yes, I would do it. All if right. you gave me 50 grand, Tim, and you could set up the hot air balloon ride, I would do it. All right, I will forgo my salary so you can travel to Iowa City by a hot air balloon. Got it. <laughs> Sounds good. I feel like you're just at the mercy of the wind at that point if you're up that high. Like, how do you even know you're going the right, right. direction? How do you steer that baby? Yeah. Right. I mean, there's got to be a way, but I don't know what it is. But we stick with the theme of flight here for topic number six. So back on Tuesday, pilots of two different flights landing at the Los Angeles International Airport reported seeing a man in a jetpack flying at the plane's current altitude, which was about 3,000 feet up in the air. So only about his eighth as high as David Blaine got on a jetpack. But authorities are still looking into the instance, and scientists are still looking into futuristic travel methods. So which futuristic way of traveling are you guys most excited about utilizing? The jetpack I, I would I could do. That looks like a lot of fun. I think <laughs> I can handle that little bad boy thing. Um, when are we going to be able to transport? You know, kind of the Star Trek thing where you can <laughs> transport from one spot to the next. 
No, but you wouldn't want to do that, Greg, because that like breaks your atoms down. Right. And what if it gets okay. reassembled incorrectly? That's all right. All right. I've lived a good life. That's fine. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I mean, but yeah, if I could get from here to wherever Phoenix, Arizona, in thirty seconds, transporting, oh, sign me up. Let's go. Yeah, Elon Musk. Beat get on me it. up, Scotty. Get yeah. on that Elon right now. <laughs> yeah, I'd be I'd be down for some jetpacking. I think I I, I could get behind that. I mean, well, I, cars it took anyone? me a while to even get used to those little, uh, like, hoverboard things that our football team used to roll around in. Ugh. Like, Tommy Armstrong was all <laughs> over that. Oh, man. Yeah, he was. Well, they those have those, are... those, those water jetpack things. Have you guys ever tried one of those? Where you... I have seen those, but yeah, I've never I have tried not one. tried them, no. Aren't, weren't those a lot of those hoverboards catching fire? I think they had, I don't some know. Of, uh, had a Yeah, that was an early issue. Yeah. Well, I've heard of some Segway accidents that were unpleasant, so you can definitely... You can definitely have a bad time on one of those. Now, the monowheel, that one's the great thing. Is if you guys seen basically like the – I've seen the hoverboard thing that NBA guys used to use a lot, but there was one of a, of a guy on campus I saw all the time where it was just one wheel. So it was basically a unicycle type thing, and that thing looked incredibly hard to balance on. I don't know how he got the class zipping around on a monowheel, but he did it. Very impressive. Mm-hmm. Downtown Lincoln has scooters now. They've got they those back. Yeah. They did. Yeah, I, I want one of those old timey bikes with the with a big wheel <laughs> at the front. Just Man, you gotta to come to Lincoln me. sometime. You'd like it down here. Yeah, here it's nice this time of year. <laughs> <laughs> San Diego, the Big Ten, and that is unfortunately all we've got. We've we've dug beyond the headlines as far as we can go. Um, Very good, well done, boys. A lot a lot of uh, above ground <laughs> topics tonight. I feel like we went above and beyond the headlines <laughs> yeah. tonight. But a bum bum. <laughs> all right, good good work, boys. It's time for the Weekend Preview, the part of the show where we tell you everything you have to watch this weekend. Come in, watch. It'll be a good one. Sometimes we give you good advice. I could watch that all day. But we're not perfect. There were times I'm like, this is so dumb. Why am I watching this? It's the Weekend Preview with Ben McLaughlin. Everybody cool if I start with this? Start this with college football. We cool with that? Yep. yep. Thumbs up. Can proceed. Just want to get Tim's blessing before I uh, move forward here. <laughs> uh, you will have no uh, – in- I-, I will not object. And by the way, Ben, I-, I shall remind you, I was the one locked and loaded watching the whole of the, the Austin P game. It wasn't you, fair, Ben. Fair point. How, many, how much did you watch last night, Timmy? Very little. Were you watching, <laughs> Sorry were you watching Spanish horror films again? <laughs> Uh, pardon, pardon you, Ben. That was a German horror film, and I, I would implore you to watch that before you start before you, before you start making fun of me. Is all, all I'm right. gonna say. Well, with Tim's blessing, let's go ahead and uh, and kick it off with some college football, shall we? Eastern Kentucky in Huntington, West Virginia, against the Marshall Thundering Herd. ESPN noon kick. Try your first, your first try college game this. day is try right before that kickoff. So there you go. You can watch game day before that. Tried to talk about this game last week, but uh, put the cart before the horse there. <laughs> Marshall um, and who? Eastern Kentucky. Okay. All right. Did, I, did we play them? No. No. I don't think. I don't think so. I'm trying no, to think played, of like we played Western. Yeah. Are they like the the Colonels, Colonels. or like the yeah, yeah okay. like the Colonels? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So that that'll get your day started right there at uh, at noon, noon o'clock on ESPN, where you can find that. Also at 12.30 on the CBS Sports Network, the middle Tennessee Blue Raiders against the Army Black Knights. will kick at 
on CBS Sports Network. Army, slight favorite in that one. Um, at uh, at 6.30, you've got Houston Baptist in North Texas. That'll be at uh, ESPN3 where you can find that one. At 7 o'clock tonight, Arkansas, or excuse me, tomorrow night, Arkansas State in Memphis. Memphis, a big-time favorite in that. Arkansas State, how about that? They were a uh, an answer last night in our uh, in our famous face-offs. The Red Wolves nearly three touchdown underdogs against Memphis there. I, so. I got a couple of texts last night after that segment, by the way. Did you? And they were, not, com- they were not complimentary. Dropped the ball? Yeah. I would like those people that sent those texts <laughs> to sit in that hot chair – uh once and try and come up with some of those off the top of the well i got what i got four of the five that's not terrible no you did really well but that they were mad that i couldn't close it out i'm like hey all i could remember were like akron which got canceled and colorado and byu and those are the ones that i remembered yeah the florida ones the florida ones weren't weren't that hard but yeah i would like to see those uh those people sit. We got to flip that. that. You, you and I need to start putting other people in that hot seat. I know it. I know it. And you can't do it. And you can't knock us until you've you've played it and you've dominated everybody. That's that, that's <laughs> the way that that's going to work. Um, SMU Texas State. How about that one? Uh, Three thirty on ESPN. And we had news about SMU earlier that they they were supposed to play next week against TCU, so they're opening tomorrow against Texas State. And they TCU's got an outbreak on their team, and so they've already canceled next week's game. So SMU's going to not have to play back-to-back weeks. And they are a massive favorite in that one. You want scoring? That's probably the game to watch. Uh, Over/under line on that is seventy, and and SMU is favored to win by twenty-three. So both teams expected to score in that one. And we'll finish it out with Stephen F. Austin against UTEP. This might be the first time I in a long time I've watched minor football. Uh, in El Paso, but there you go. Playing at the Sun Bowl, eight o'clock. I do watch the Sun Bowl usually every year in December. I do. It's usually a sloppy, boring game with the with the weather there in El Paso. Yep. So there you go. College football on the docket. Greg um, should be the Huskers tomorrow night, but instead, uh, this, these are the games that you get. No, no Power Fives. No, no Power Fives until next week. It'll get, it'll get a lot busier next week. Yeah that, yeah, that we can confirm. But, hey, this is more than we had last week, and if we keep the progression going, that is a positive. And this is more college football than some thought we would have all year, so hard to complain with that. So starting at noon tomorrow, you can get your college football festivities underway. Uh, well, the NBA scoreboard is going to get interesting this weekend, starting first on Saturday with the Raptors and the Celtics. What an unbelievable finish to game three between Toronto and Boston as the Raptors get a shot at the last second to beat the Seas, and it's two games to one Boston, 530 TNT, where you can find game four between these two, expecting this series to be very competitive. Yeah, uh, although, boy, Boston was within an eyelash of going up 3-0 last night. The the Raptors got that deep three that basically when the gun went off to get the victory in that series. They're going to have to keep playing well. I think Boston and this guy named Kembo Walker, you may have heard of him, he's pretty good. Yeah. See him break down that defense? Man. (laughs) Guy's unbelievable. Love uh, watching it. All right, uh, and then the second game of the day at 8 o'clock on TNT, you've got the Nuggets and the Clippers. Los Angeles leads that series one game to none. Uh, and so that's a late tip, 8 o'clock between that. You give, do you give Denver any shot after that series mm. they just played? 
I think they get one. I think that ends in about five. Yeah. I would tend to agree with you on that one. Well, we just found out moments ago that the Miami Heat have gone up three games to none over the Milwaukee Bucks. They will try for the reverse sweep in terms of seeding over the number one seed, Miami, up three games to none. 2.30 on ABC, Jimmy Butler and the crew will, uh, will go for it. You think, they, you think they sweep them? Can they sweep Milwaukee, the one seed, out of the playoffs? Boy, you know, I think they can. I, I just think pro athletes know – they're like, man, we're down 3-0. This was the one the Bucks had to have. And so you just don't – I don't know that they bring a lot of fight to this, and I think Miami's going to put them away. I think it could be a sweep and over on Sunday. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in agree. And it's a kind of a sleepy start time too, Greg, 2.30. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's just a, it's a hard time, I think. Man, Bucks might be thinking about getting out of that bubble, Ben. Yep. Just get me wrap out of up, that bubble. Wrap up the bubble time, get to Milwaukee. Yep. 7.30, game one, Rockets and Lakers, 7.30, ABC. How much of a chance do you give Houston in this series, if any at all? Uh, I think they get a game. I don't know if it's much more than one. But the, have you been impressed with the Lakers? I mean, I, to me, the Lakers I don't look like they're really revving up yet. I don't think there are two dominant teams in the in the NBA like they have been. Like the last few years, you knew you were getting to a collision course with Golden State, Right and and uh, Cleveland or Cleveland, yeah, or yeah. So to me, that that's that's the one thing about the NBA this year is there seems to be a little bit more parity, which has made for more interesting playoffs. I think at least you know in the the semifinals and even in uh, in round two a little bit. So uh, there's your NBA slate with the four games here this weekend. There's getting to be more college football and less NBA to be following as the playoffs wind down. That is the same story. For the National Hockey League, 6.30 NBC tomorrow, Islanders and Flyers, Game 7 Eastern Conference, second round. You've been kind of leaning Islanders. Um, yeah, Flyers could get her tied up. What do you think? Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, the Islanders look great, but they couldn't finish it off last night. And now it's anybody's, right? I mean, Game 7, you don't know. I, I'll stay with the Islanders because they've been my pick, but I don't feel overly confident. I love game sevens in hockey and playoffs. Just so good. Such such good entertainment. Hard skating from uh, the time that puck hits the ice to the, to the final horn. I will be watching that uh, tomorrow on NBC, where you can find that for those hockey fans for game seven. Um, sadly, that's, that's all we're anticipating on the hockey front this weekend is just the game seven. We're kind of awaiting the, uh, the further, the further of, the, of the series to move on. Um, hard to believe the hockey's are are winding down already. Did they are the Canucks in the in the Golden Knights are tonight? Correct that game seven's right. Well, the 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 if the if necessary. Um. Yeah, the if necessary game would would I guess I suppose could could potentially happen. Well, that's a game. Is that a game seven, Tim? Yep, it's game seven right Right now. Actually, they're five minutes in. They're five minutes. So yeah, they're they're, yeah yep no score. uh, Yep. Okay. All right, so there you go, man. Just heart, yeah, and then a heartbreaker for Colorado. I know we have some Avalanche fans that listen to the mm-hmm. show, and I've got a few fans that love the Abs. And heartbreaker for Dal- for uh, for them against Dallas as they lose in overtime in Game Seven. There's no way, worse way to lose in hockey than in a Game Seven in overtime. Yikes! Tough. All right, Major League Baseball this weekend. Padres A's. This is yes. going to be great baseball series and. 
Fox Sports 1 has decided to pick this up, so you don't have the MLB package or any of that. You can watch some Major League Baseball at 310. Chris Paddock against Sean Manaya. Manaya been a little bit better lately. He got off to a bad start with Oakland. Chris Paddock expected to have a big year for San Diego. He's been very hit and miss, but these teams both have had good years and uh, expecting this to be a fun series between the Padres and the A's. Do you remember where you had these teams in your power rankings, Greg? Hmm. Well, I had the Padres. I don't have my list here, I don't think, anymore. I had the I Padres had, at four and the A's at two. So I these, think I was close to that. Yeah, I was close to that. I think my, yeah, I think I might have had that exact same thing. According to the Ben McLaughlin and Greg Sharp power rankings, these are the number two and the number four teams in baseball. So could be a good series yeah, to pick absolutely. up and watch. Cubs cards, NL Central this weekend. That's an interesting series. Obviously, the Chicago White Sox continuing to play well. Lucas Giolito will pitch for them tomorrow against Kansas City. Astros and Angels will play two. And the Nationals and Braves will have the ESPN Plus game tomorrow at 610. Uh, Tigers and Twins this weekend, also in the NL East. The Phillies and the Mets, Yankees, Orioles. Another interesting series in the NL West. You've got the Rockies and the Dodgers. So looking forward to that series uh, as well. The Rockies just trying to hang on and, and score some runs. They're now under 500 for the first time in a while against the number one in the power rankings, to, according to all of us, the Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, who seem to have a, a World Series run in sight uh, for this weekend. How about some golf, shall we? The Tour Championship got underway today. Dustin Johnson and John Rahm, as expected, hold the leads at 13-under. Rahm shoots 5-under. DJ at 3-under. They're at 13-under. JT, Justin Thomas in third, two strokes back. Rory, two strokes back of them at 11-9, and nine, respectively. The first round in the books, the two favorites, as we expected, maybe as some expected, some not expected, hold on to the lead, the Tour Championship in Atlanta. Uh, what did you think of the of the play today? It's like match play today. I mean, they were making putt after putt. Somebody hit about a 20-footer, and then the other guy would step up and make an 18-footer. It was kind of fun. They're both playing really, really well. I think it's a three-man raise. I think it's JT still has a crack at it and those two guys. Uh, but it'll be fun on Monday when they wrap that tournament up. Great buy-sell question. That, that yes, was, it was. Uh, offered I, up to us. But I, I don't know that anybody bought it. I think everybody sold it. Did you sell it? Yes. I think I sold it, too. Actually, I'm positive I sold it. I, I took the field. But, yeah, uh, so good golf on this weekend as well. This is a big weekend in sports. Um, so if you've got plans to hang around the house, have the TV on, this is a good one. You've also got the U.S. Open happening this week, the third round. Buy-sell questions on the line in this as well. Um, yeah, you look up and down at the seedings, Greg, and some, some big names left off. Uh, but obviously Serena Williams on the women's side and you still got uh, the Joker on the men's side, Dominic team on the men's side as well. Uh, but yeah, you've got, you're missing some parts, missing some parts this weekend. Yeah. No, no Nadal, no Federer. They both opting to, to not play because of COVID. Uh, so some different names in there, but it's some of the top seeds still around and Joker's probably the, the big, big favorite to win the men's title. Yeah. He'll take on the number 20 seed, Pablo Serrano, Busta, close. That's close enough. We'll go with the we'll world. Josh is the our resident yes, tennis he is. pronunciation yes, he is. expert, and he is MIA tonight. So you're stuck with the B squad uh, there. But yeah, Joker will play at 9 a.m. on Sunday for those that are wanting to watch the top seed in the U.S. Open. So we've covered the gamut, Greg. You've got college football, NBA, hockey, 
Major League Baseball, golf, and tennis all happening this weekend. So it was a solid, solid weekend in the world of sports. And the Derby, which we'll talk about next. The Derby's tomorrow Can, in, in at Churchill Downs. And we're th- interested to hear what Andy has to say about the favorite that seems to be an overwhelming favorite. And uh, we, we're about split on that on the buy-sell. So Churchill Downs will be interesting this weekend as well. And that, that's another fun, fun fact that you dropped on our listeners earlier to start the segment Greg, that this is actually the second leg of the yeah. Triple ground, which is new. Is your family doing your annual derby pool or not? I would say probably not, just with the circumstances that uh, that are in front of us, which is sad. Maybe we'll do it via text. I'm not sure how that's going to work. You can organize yeah, we might, that. might be able to figure something out. Kennedy can help you out with that tomorrow. Sure. She can get a horse. Yes. My niece Berkeley can get a horse. And usually go. those are the, the participants that usually end up winning. There you go. Get on it. All right, very good. Ben McLaughlin with our weekend preview. We will come back, talk about the Derby with Andy Weingarten next. We're back on a Friday night, Sports Nightly, here on the Husker Sports Network. It's Labor Day, and yet we're going to be talking about the Kentucky Derby, normally contested the first Saturday of May, and here to break it down for us, our old friend Andy Weingarten from WAVE in Louisville. Good evening, Andy. How are you today? I'm doing great, Greg. Things are uh, things. It, it's a different around here, that's for sure. This is unlike any derby I can ever remember. No fans, right? They're not letting anybody in. Uh, no fans in there tomorrow. There'll be about 2,500 people, but it's it's owners, trainers, and family members, and uh, media things like that. But only 2,500 instead of the 150,000 oh. we normally get. Yeah, it's just that's it hurts to hear that because it's such a great event, and I know you've been there personally a couple different times. Okay, we we had you on for the Belmont, which this year turned into the first leg of the Triple Crown. They shortened that race. Are they doing anything like that tomorrow? No, the Derby is it's, it's normal mile and a quarter. Uh, the only thing that's really different, if you want to look at the distance, is you know that's always been the one question with any Derby horse you look at. They go, can they go a mile and a quarter? Because they've never done it before. Well, we had the Traverse Stakes here a month ago that Tiz Law won at a mile and a quarter. So we know one horse that can go a mile and a quarter, which is something you never had before. Tis the law, also the winner winner of the Belmont. He's the big favorite. What? Tell me about this horse. How good a horse is this in your eyes? Well, he seems to be the real deal. I mean, the races have been easy. Uh, in fact, some think it's almost been too easy because he's hardly been pressed. He He's kind of a stalker. He gets into position, and then about three-eighths before the finish line, he makes his move, and he just pulls away in the stretch. I mean, it's he, he sure seems like the real deal. Now, having said that, I can come up with about four reasons why he may not win tomorrow. Right. Now, one of them was taken away from me. I mentioned this to you off the air we were texting earlier in the week that no horse had ever won the Kentucky Derby coming from the 17 hole. Well, with the scratches that have occurred, he now moves to the 16 hole. So it takes that one away. Are there two scratches to this point? Well, there's actually been three total, but there were, there was one today, one yesterday and one on Monday, I believe. So they're down to a 16 horse field. And so he'll come from the 16 slot. So I, I, I lose my, 0 for 41 from the 17 hole. That's one reason I thought he couldn't win. A second reason is the jockey, uh, who is uh, Matt Franco, I believe is his name, has only run in two Kentucky Derbies in his life. He's finished 17th and 19th. Not exactly 
a great record for uh, for that jockey. And the, the the third reason is is he's never really he's never had to run in this crowded a field. He's never had any issues with traffic. Well, being on the outside, he may have some issues with traffic uh, in this race. And you know, we've had a lot of races where the best horse doesn't necessarily win, and usually that's that's the culprit is, is the traffic they have to maneuver through. Absolutely. Again, visiting with Andy Weingarten from WAVE in Louisville, breaking down tomorrow's Kentucky Derby. Before we get to your picks, what about the weather? What, what conditions are they going to be looking at tomorrow? I, that's the other thing. It's so frustrating because they would probably set a record crowd tomorrow. Absolutely perfect. It's going to be a sunny day, low humidity, and at race time, probably in the upper 70s. So, I mean, it's just going to be a perfect day. Today was, too. Uh, we were in the low 80s, low humidity for the Kentucky Oaks. Oh, and by the way, in the Kentucky Oaks, the 3-5 to five favorite, which is what Tis the Law was in the morning line, did not win the Kentucky Oaks. She finished third. So three to five, while it's very, very low odds, it's not a guarantee. Sometimes the precursor is what happens in that Kentucky Oaks. Okay, I know the track conditions usually factor into your picks. Let's go through your picks. Okay, uh, in this one, I, I, I really wanted to look at long shots. Uh, in this one in particular. And so I've got one for third, uh, Enforceable, which actually started at 50 to 1. And that has nothing to do with my pick, but all of a sudden, Enforceable has been bet down to 15 to 1. And I'm not really sure why. His last race was a fourth in the bluegrass, nothing special. Uh, but he you know, early on in the season had a win and a second place finish, and and I think he'll be closing at the end. He's a good closing horse and had nice odds, so I put enforceable third. And coming out close to the rail, right? I think in the three shoot for enforceable. Be in the, yeah, be in the three, which will be fine for a closer. You just get inside early. You're you're trailing, you know, the first uh, half to two thirds of the race anyway. I think he'll make his kick at the quarter pole and and come up and be respectable and finish third. All right, so your show horse is enforceable. How about your place? Place horse, I went with another long shot. This one is Max Player. Uh, Max Player finished third in the Travers behind uh, uh, Tis the Law. Another kind of closing horse. Will stalk a little bit more than enforceable, uh, but should be you know middle of the pack the first half of the race. And assuming he gets a clean trip, uh, he should be one that is moving at the end. Every time he's gotten a clean trip, he's hit the board. And just seems like a good long shot. That one has been uh, started at 30-1. to has been bet down to 22-1. to Wow, okay. All right. Where are you going with the winner of the Derby? Well, I gave you four, three or four reasons why Tis the Law couldn't win the Derby. Now let me give you a couple of reasons why he can. Uh, he's the best horse out there. He is toyed with the competition. Uh, he can rate back. If, if there's traffic, he can stay back. If he needs to go up front, uh, he can race from up front. I mean, he's done all the styles. Um, and I. So I'm hoping in that case that the um, traffic won't get to him. I think he's he's going to toy with them. He's toyed with the toyed with the field in the Belmont, toyed with them in the Travers, and I think he's going to toy with them in the Derby. He'll pull pull away in that stretch run and win it by at least four lengths. I think he's that much better than everybody else. Oh boy! Well, if that happens, it'll set up quite a Preakness in, in, in what about is it six weeks before the Preakness? What is the date of the Preakness? I don't have that. I believe in mind. it's the first Saturday in October, so there it's four go. weeks away. They had they had to get it early in October so that they had enough time to rest up for the Breeders' Cup, which is at the end of the month. Very good. All right, so Tis the Law is your pick. Your place is Max Player and Enforceable in the show spot. Andy, great stuff as always. Always good to catch up with you. Hope you're doing well. 
Everybody's doing fine. Hopefully you guys are too. And the best news of all, we've got football coming up Woo! soon, don't we? Love it. Great stuff. Andy, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you in a month for the uh, Preakness. Okay. Take care, Greg. Thanks. Andy Weingarten from WAVE in Louisville breaking down tomorrow's Derby. Tis the law, his pick to win the Derby. It's the Sports Nightly Week in Review. From Monday night, Tom Chattel from the Omaha World Herald. Yes, it's it's very helpful. Things uh, I tend to get done, and you know, they, they certainly wouldn't have had the guts to go after the Big Ten if they, if they weren't like this. And I'm trying to imagine a world where Sean Eichhorst is the AD in a situation, trying to tell Scott Frost, of course, they would never be together. Frost never would have come to Nebraska with Eichhorst. But I'm just trying to imagine Eichhorst trying to side with the Big Ten while Nebraskans wanted to play and head coach wanted to play. It, it, would, it would have been a circus. But this was not a circus. Nebraska very much on the same page. And uh, yes, that's... Uh, I think all that carries over. I really do. Fox Sports announcer Kevin Kugler. No, that bridge has been crossed, and we will we will definitely be in person at the okay. stadiums every single week. All of the national broadcast crews for television will actually be on site for the NFL. That's kind of different from what we've seen with Major League Baseball, and it's certainly different from what we're going to see with some of the crews, even for the college football teams that are going to try to play in the fall. I know ESPN is going to have some folks on site and some folks in studio calling the games but as, as of now and of course <laughs> it's 2020 you know this anything can change in any moment greg this this could all change in two weeks but as of right this second we will be on site and i'll be in san francisco for the second time in a month since i was out there for the pga championship um we'll be out there in san francisco to start the season on september 13th jay drew from the Deseret News. This team has built, this program under Kalani Sotaki has literally built for this season, planned for it, schemed for it, knowing the caliber of teams they had on the schedule. So they've got three really good quarterbacks. They, today they named Zach Wilson, who's kind of the incumbent uh, as the starter. They got eight offensive uh, returning starters, seven defensive returning starters couple of guys who probably would have went in the NFL draft but decided to come back for their senior year uh, in tight end Matt Bushman and defensive tackle Kyrie Tonga. So this is a really, really good team. I've covered them for 10, 11 years, and on paper, this looks like probably the best team, at least since they went independent in 2011. This should be the most talented team. Tuesday night, Chris Basnett from the Lincoln Journal Star. When we first started talking about this, I thought it was going to be, you know, there's no way they're starting before January 1st and, and they're only playing conference games. And now you kind of see some of the stuff coming out, like you said, with the different models, uh, maybe some potential bubble type situations, you know, with, with better testing, with, with better measures to, to prevent the spread of coronavirus. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we didn't see college basketball start in late November, early December, once once the student body kind of goes home for winter break and, and you're able to keep the basketball team there. It kind of becomes a, a natural bubble in a way at a lot of these campuses. Now, now who hosts those bubbles and how many teams you bring in and how many games you play, who knows what that looks like. But, you know, Dan Gavitt has said it, the, the NCAA vice president for, for basketball, that you have to take advantage of those opportunities. If you can play games and do it safely, in that time frame, you, you better do it. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me one bit to see basketball 
you know, it, it, I think it'll be later than, than what it would normally be, but it wouldn't surprise me to see it starting up by the end of November. Angelique Chingelis from the Detroit News. Yeah, I mean, Ward Manuel, Michigan's athletic director, said he was on a podcast um, out of U of M this morning and, and said that they're expecting about a $100 million hit to their budget, which is roughly half of what they take in. And um, <laughs> they had to lay off 21 people today and, and also pointed out that they've had a hiring freeze. So there are 15 positions that have not been filled. So I, I think you can probably look at it as 36 people in a way. And you know, there's going to be more budget cuts. There's going to be other cuts going forward. More than likely, he didn't he didn't say that, but I, I'm just not sure how you recoup that kind of loss and not make more cuts. Unfortunately, but they have not cut sports yet. That has not been uh, something that they've hinted at. But uh, boy, I mean, you know, I think we all know without football, this is uh, this is making it a struggle for every athletic department across the Big Ten, across the country, that, that the teams that aren't playing. From Wednesday night, former Husker, Brandon Kinney. That's like giving your job resume and you're just at a job for three or four months and the, the employer is like, well, dude, you have had three jobs in the past year, bro. Like what? You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's one of those things and you have to understand that. See, and they don't know that. They don't get that because you're not thinking resumes, real world. So it, it, it's hard to, to get an understanding in that, but that's what we come in to have to be able to be that bridge and explain it to these young guys and these young athletes of what this thing looks like um, and how you're supposed to go about it. Um, so I, I definitely I definitely love that perseverance word because I think that's ultimately what it is, is just getting down there and grinding and, and figuring it out. Because I know when I got there, man, I didn't know the playbook. I didn't understand it, but I thought I was all world, right? I thought I can go out here and play with these guys. And it was like, look, VK, you can't play fast if you don't know this stuff. Um, and it was black and white for me. It was no gray area. Mm-hmm. Like, you're good, you're athletic, yes, you're great. But you got to know this. So um, it, I think it's absolutely that, man, just pushing through. Nebraska basketball coach Fred Hoiberg. We're just trying to plan, and there's so many different scenarios that are out there right now, Greg. I don't know when we're going to start. I don't know anybody. Uh, if anybody does, there were some things out today that maybe will start end of November or early December which I think makes the most sense just because uh, your students go home after that first semester, which they moved up this year, and it gives the best opportunity to create some type of a bubble and isolate the players. Uh, so hopefully we'll go through with that. But we're just trying to keep everybody fresh right now, not, not have the burnout factor, uh, and keep them ready to go if we do open uh, at that time. Major League Baseball insider Lane Grindle. To get Lucas Giolito back, Brad, I mean, that means a very fine player, but uh, Giolito has a chance to be an ace. Um, I, I love, obviously, what they did with the Jose Quintana trade, getting Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease in that deal. Unbelievable return, um, in my opinion, on, on sending Quintana to the Cubs, what they got back there. And they've just made a bunch of other really good, strong moves. The Chris Sale return was another good return. Moncada was a big part of that one. Kopik, who's going to be a big player for them on the mound down the road. They've just made a lot of really good moves, and now they've been smart. They finally thought, okay, 2020, we're ready to contend a little bit. We're ready to compete. So they went and they sprinkled in some other veterans, along with re-signing Jose Abreu. This is a really good lineup. Luis Robert is going to be an absolute star. Jimenez is already turning into a star. This team's going to be around for a long time, Greg. They're not going anywhere. They're going to be the class of the AL Central, I think, for the next five to ten years, potentially. Thursday night, 
former Husker Jeremiah Searles. No doubt. I think if they can get the rapid test, I think you're going to see a full 16-game season. I think they might. I think I like Sean Payton's idea about putting things in the bubble for the playoffs. Just because, I mean, the last thing you want is the NFC Championship, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, by the way, your starting quarterback has COVID and can't play. So I think that the bubble idea for that's not a terrible idea. Um, I think that, yeah, I think you get this rapid testing stuff fired out there and pushed out there. I mean, the NFL is going to be all over that. They're going to be the first ones all over that. And, I mean, they're going to have a full season going right ahead. And, I mean, hopefully everything trickles down. The NFL's top dog. So NFL works, trickles down into college, high school, the whole bit, and we can get back to our lives. Teddy Greenstein for the Chicago Tribune. The one that I think makes a ton of sense, um, I am calling it the Dome Plan, where you play in the winter, you start probably the Saturday after Christmas. You play eight or nine games, and you play in, you know, some of the league's great domes. You play in Indy and Detroit and Minneapolis, and these would be entertaining games, and you could do triple headers on Saturday. You can play maybe Thursday night, Friday night. TV would certainly like it. There are a couple Saturdays with NFL playoff games, but most Saturdays do not. You know, and, and Saturdays in February, all you're doing is going up against college basketball. So I think that would be really good for the league. And then the final one I call the JV plan, which is the spring plan. And as Nick Saban said, if you play in the spring, it's JV football because you have all these players opting out. I think there'll probably be 15 guys opting out. And honestly, then I think it would be too dangerous to play again in September. I think you'd have to delay the 2021 season. So Thanksgiving or the Dome plan, those are the two that look far and away the most likely. There's Teddy Greenstein. All of that put together by Josh Hilkeman in our Week in Review. We're back. Final few minutes of the week. Time for us to name our winners and losers of the week. Ben, why don't you lead us off? Yeah, uh, my winner of the week I stumbled upon today, and I'm just going to let the the clip do the talking. This is Yankees catcher Eric Kratz speaking on a Zoom call today in reference to him assisting young Latin American pitchers. He's become a staple of, of these young pitchers and organizations and wanting to help them develop. And he was asked about that today, receiving a lot of praise from these young men from different countries, and this is what he had to say. What is it about Davey and, and, and these uh, young Hispanic guys that, that treasure working with you? I don't know. Like, you're probably going to get me a little emotional, but I love, I love seeing what they can do. And I think sometimes some people forget where they come from. Some people forget that they want it just as badly, and there's people at home that want it just as badly for them, and they're not – they're not around them. They're not around their family. They're not around their, the people there. So being older, being, you know, hopefully I can be a, somebody that can step in and help that relationship. <laughs> and not everyone sees it. My Spanish isn't that great, but it's something that's, that I try and I want it to be good. And <laughs> now I get to cry on Zooms because I got kids too. And I hope somebody... <laughs> would treat my kids that way pretty cool stuff wow. uh, if you don't know who eric kraut kratz is he is a journeyman catcher he's played for 16 organizations greg he's played for the toronto blue jays three times and he is known as one of the best teammates that there is in baseball and and to be a mentor to these young men who probably feel out of place probably feel far away from home that uh, that hit me today I was, I was really glad i ran across that that's great very powerful 
Yeah, no doubt. My loser, Jay Williams. I, I really just that, that rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. His comments today uh, or yesterday, I should say. I the, the comparisons, and I, I just get so tired of that. And yeah, good for good for LBJ to strike back at him. Yeah, the Scotty Pippen of comparisons there. Um, well, I guess I'll, I'll launch into my my winners and losers. Uh, my winner of the week. How about Khalil Davis? Uh, another Husker star added to that Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster. Nebraska fans who are homeless without an NFL team. I think the Tampa Bay Bucks might just be your team. Not just because of Tom Brady. Mm. Not just because of Tom Brady, but you got you got Levante. Yeah, true. You true. You got Sue. You got and, Khalil. Yeah. That ain't half bad. Uh, bad. My loser of the week, who could really be my loser for all of eternity, is Sir Yacht. Another clown show coming out with his news today. And uh, uh, I don't know who his sources are, but uh, it's not. The sources are his brain. The, the, the voices inside his head, maybe. It's, it's not good. So Sir Yacht, Sir Boat, uh, my loser of the week. Yeah, that thing sunk. Um, all right, my winner is the Husker social media folks. What a great thought to get saucy nugs come up and interrupt Scott Frost at a faux press conference. Loved it. If you got a problem with it, you're taking life way too seriously. Lighten up. Have some fun with some things every now and then. I thought it was great. And my loser of the week, and you guys will probably argue this, but my loser of the week is Pat Forty from Sports Illustrated, who just can't get out of his way from taking unnecessary shots in Nebraska. Yeah, take your trailer and uh, go home. Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> Pat Ford's the worst. <laughs> Big stuff. All right, folks, enjoy your weekend, three-day weekend. We'll have a best-of show on Monday. Back with you on Tuesday night, last weekend of the summer. Maybe you're headed to the lake. If you are, be safe out there. Enjoy yourself. Try to shake off the fact that you're not watching the Huskers play tomorrow. I know it may be tough. I may just drive around the stadium a time or two tomorrow just to get in the field for it. Appreciate everybody for tonight's show. Thanks to Ben, to Tim, and to Austin's brief appearance. Have a great weekend. We'll join you again on Tuesday. Tuesday.